0: My business coach, Rick, told me a story about one of his clients. She was wildly successful, lived the dream, accomplished the dream, single-mindedly, absolutely utterly focused, built an amazing company over 25 years, and sold it in her early 50s. And it wasn't just an average sale, it was above average, Uh, life-changing money was the result of that business sale to the point where she would never have to work again. Wow. I mean, she accomplished the dream a good probably 15, 20 years before most do. But within one year of that sale, she caught cancer and passed away. Wow. little sobering for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm 46. Early 50s is just around the corner for me. That's one reason why that's sobering. But number two... It it challenges the conventional wisdom. And in this episode today, ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, stone shop owners from across the Fruited Plain, I want you to be encouraged. I know this may sound like kind of a downer way to begin a podcast, but it really isn't. Freedom now or maybe later, blowing up conventional wisdom is the topic on this episode of the Fab Lab podcast, episode 142. I am excited to share this with you. I've been preparing to share this podcast, and uh, but I, I won't, I won't deny that it's going to challenge. It may be a little unsettling. It may be a little bit jarring to contemplate some of the questions that I'm going to deal with here on this episode. But I think we need to challenge conventional wisdom um, for a variety of reasons. I mean, consider this: the conventional wisdom of the '50s and '60s when this was actually true, carried on well into probably the 90s and early 2000s. And that conventional wisdom was from a professional sense, get a good education, find a big company and a good company to work for, work there for 30 or 40 years, retire with a pension, and then you'll have all the time and money you ever wanted to live out the rest of your days. Well, in the 50s and 60s, that was true. But It became less and less true as time went on, but the conventional wisdom continued, and that's what was taught, and yet it wasn't reality. And I think there's a a parallel conventional wisdom or reality for entrepreneurs and business owners, and it's very similar, and yet I wonder how good is this conventional wisdom? How accurate is it? And how wise is it to maybe unconsciously adopt this philosophy, this mentality, this conventional wisdom that says, you know, build a business, work like an absolute slave and a dog for 15, 20, 25, 30 years, and then sell it for life-changing money. And then at that point, you know, finally have the time and the money to do all those things that you had been dreaming about doing for the past 15, 20, 25, 30 years. So in today's episode... Gonna step out on a limb here and sh- you know really challenge conventional wisdom. I uh, I don't do this you know gratuitously just for nothing else to do. I think these are tough questions to grapple with. It's like I said, it's unsettling. I still remember where I was when Rick told me that story about his client. I was on I five driving south, passing the the North Wilsonville exit, and so like I could still have that picture in mind when he told me that the last. Yeah, after a year, she passed away. Never, and 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 the, re, the the like, the massive reality of that, having done everything right, pulling it off ahead of schedule, only to not be able to realize it—it's just like so shocking to me. It's it's just it's it's burned into my conscious, into my memory, into my you know, into my mind, and so I think it's worth considering because. Running a stone shop, running a stone business, man, it is an all-consuming, or at least can be, an all-consuming endeavor. And there is no guarantee, number one, at the end that we're going to be able to sell the company for life-changing money so that we can have all that time. And there's no guarantee that we'll be able to sell it when we want to or how we want to. And so I think it bears consideration So maybe look at things from a different perspective today. And so when I say blowing up conventional wisdom, when I say freedom now or maybe later, this is is real life. This is meat and potatoes. This is today. This conversation, I think, has the potential to be very powerful. And so I'm so glad that you tuned into it. Before we get into that, I want to put another bomb uh, out there into some other conventional wisdom. I want to mention a word from our sponsor, No Lift Install System, and challenge the conventional wisdom that it's a good idea to lift, carry, and set countertops on cabinets by hand. There was a recent poll done on the SFA asking people on that Facebook group if they would advise their son to install, to go into installing. And check this out. Ninety-three percent of the people that took the poll said no. Hmm, wonder why that is. Well, You know what? I think we all know the uncomfortable reality of what that work does to a person's body. Any of us who have installed, any of us who have spent any time around an installation setting knows that is brutal work. We know what it does to the physical body. But what we may not know is what it does to the bottom line of our stone shops. So if you'd like to know how much it may be costing you to install the conventional way, expecting your installers to pick up, carry, and lift, and set those countertops on cad- cabinets, I would suggest you visit NoliftSystem.com. Talk to one of our sales pros and see the impact that the Nolift install system can have on your bottom line a direct impact on the profits of your company and the bonuses, the positive impact it has on the physical health of your installers. It's a double whammy. And No Lift is challenging the conventional wisdom. So visit noliftsystem.com. Okay, back to challenging this conventional wisdom or this maybe unconscious reality that we can just find ourselves and we can drift into it. I'm going to challenge that today and I'm going to admit, I'm going to acknowledge right now, this could be a little dangerous can be a little scary can be even a little bit offensive you know when our beliefs are challenged that we're not prepared perhaps to defend them or argue them it can put us into a corner and and that's not my intention here my goal isn't to challenge beliefs just for no other reason but it is to create an opportunity for us to think to stop and consider some things that have life you know altering impacts Today we could get to the end of our lives and not have the same experience that this this gal had and look back and go wow was it worth it did all that sacrifice all that time at the shop all of that stress that i absorbed over those years was it worth it did it pay off like i hoped that it would and so i think it's i think it's worth considering so i'm not necessarily going to challenge beliefs i'm just going to ask some questions. So what if we rearrange the equation instead of waiting until some date in the future that we would then have time to do what we want, have the money to finally and eventually do what we want. You know, really that's a vague and and uncertain sort of picture because time isn't something that we control. And the further that time, you know, the further that we look out into the future, the less and less influence we have over events, um, And the less we can predict what's going to happen. And so if we're thinking, hey, I'm going to retire in 15, 20 years, that is a long, long time. If you are waiting to do the things that you've been dreaming about doing, if you are saying to yourself, if you have adopted this belief, if you have drifted into this conventional wisdom that says, you kinda have to. That stuff isn't possible. Those are the things you do when you retire. And to retire, you gotta work like a slave for 25, 30 years, and then hopefully you can sell the company, and hopefully you got the money to then do not meant not to mention the health and the circumstances, that's a long way out there. And so I'm gonna ask this question. What if we rearrange the equation? What if we say, yeah, that's conventional wisdom, perhaps. But are we required to adopt that mentality? What if instead of just building a business that we can sell down the road, we build businesses, we build companies, we build our stone shops that actually afford us that time now? Not necessarily full retirement today, but time today. Can you believe that that may be possible, fellow fabricator, stone shop owner? Can you imagine, can you stop and pause long enough to consider and maybe believe, and this is challenging beliefs, and it may be really hard in the moment when you're just running and gunning and just going 100 miles an hour all the time. It may be hard to imagine a different experience, but that's where it's got to start. We've got to stop and ask that question. Is it possible? So it's interesting. I read a book a number of years. My other coach... <laughs> Cliff Ravenscraft, uh, didn't even challenge me to read this. He challenged somebody else, and I just happened to overhear it. And it was T. Harv Ecker's book, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And I got to tell you, that book, talk about challenging beliefs. I was so torqued off. I was so pissed off after I read that book. I was actually, I would say, in a mild rage when I finally finished the book. And the, the impact of that message, of his story, T. Harv Eker's argument in that book so messed with my conventional wisdom that I I called my coach Cliff back and said I'm so pissed I can't even think straight. We got to get together and talk. I read this book that you recommended and now it's it's thrown me into such disarray. We got to talk about this. I got to tell you once I kind of got over the sense of loss when I understood the the potential and the power of that message, and, and the reason I was so angry is I realized what I had missed out on over the previous 25 years because of some beliefs, some firmly held beliefs that I didn't even really know I had, and this book challenged those. And so when I finally got over the fact that I had to let go of those beliefs, then it was this wrestling with the the reality of what i had missed out on because i had held some beliefs that had prevented me from experiencing some things experiencing some things that i had desperately wanted to have fantastic book t harvecker's the author of the book is secrets of the millionaire mind and my goal here isn't to suggest you go out and buy this i want to share this first wealth principles and this book is a wealth of insight and wisdom into owning a business and building wealth but not how you might think in terms of how millionaire and rich and wealthy is defined. It's very different. I wish he would have titled it differently, but anyway, he has 17 wealth principles in this book. And the first wealth principle is this: Rich people create their lives. Poor people believe life happens to them. I want to say that one more time. His first wealth principle is that rich people create their lives. And poor people believe that life happens to them. There's a sense that you're a victim of circumstance and you have no ability to affect the reality today. And I think in a lot of ways, subconsciously at least, it's easy to drift into a scenario in a business where the business takes over, where we are not consciously and purposefully and thoughtfully making decisions in the business that are reflective of the life that we want to live. I call this the momentum of success. I think I mentioned that in either the Shrink and Grow Rich episode or maybe a couple of those episodes where I I dealt with being redlined. I might have mentioned that phrase. But the momentum of success is the business grows. It's so successful it grows then to a point where it gets beyond our ability to manage it. And all of a sudden now instead of this business serving me, (laughs) I'm serving the business because the thing succeeded past my ability to manage it effectively. And so I think this is really important. Ask the question, can we create lives today and next week and next month and next year by purpose and intention and thoughtfulness, making decisions that actually enable us to taste that retirement from 30 years down the road today, at least partially, in part. Can we begin to build a business that isn't in control of us, but actually serves the things that we want to do? And so it's interesting. I went back and, you know, I didn't like the, the, the millionaire reference. And so I actually went out of that book and I wrote my own definition of what it means to be rich. Because in my mind, I had kind of adopted this, I think, conventional wisdom, a conventional definition of what it means to be rich. And that didn't appeal to me. That wasn't what drove me. And so I went back and I wrote my own, it's probably five or six sentences, I guess it would be close to a paragraph, but I wrote out my own, the Aaron Crowley definition of what it means to be rich for me and for my family. And it was a powerful, powerful exercise for me. And then I created this spreadsheet. The 17 wealth principles, I created this matrix for myself to really help me consciously begin to reshape my thoughts and my thinking around these 17 wealth principles to adopt this belief. Hey, I can either believe that my life is a reflection of events that are out of my control and I'm just a victim of circumstance, or I can choose to believe if rich people believe that they create their lives, how much influence and impact can I actually have on my life in terms of the decisions that I'm making today. And I'm telling you, transformational is, is, is does not do it justice in terms of the impact that that had over the following three years. I can tell you right now, what time is it? It's 8.30 on Friday morning. I'm in my home office. My kids are making noise downstairs. I am literally living. I'm living the life I defined two or three years ago as a result of reading that book and 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 adopting this new mindset blowing up conventional wisdom and saying now i'm not a victim i'm a victim of the decisions that i've made you know and a lot of them have been bad and a lot of them have led me away from the life i wanted to live and so i got a choice here i can either set aside that old way of thinking and i can adopt a new belief and that belief if i if i adopt the belief then i got to maybe change some of my behaviors And that set me on this journey, and here I am today. I'm literally living the life of my dreams. And so as a result of that, fellow fabricator, if you want to see my definition of rich for me, not that you should adopt it, but just that you can see, you have the freedom, you have the latitude (laughs) to define it for yourself. And if you'd like to see my matrix of those 17 wealth principles and how I systematically went through and and basically redefined my thinking around each one of those. And in, in like 12 of those 17 wealth principles, I had to consciously choose to adopt a new thought about that principle. And, the, the the impact is, is still, you know, obviously unfolding today, but it was powerful. So if you'd like, my email is in the show notes of this podcast. I don't do that very often. But if you'd like, just go down to the show notes. You'll see my email. Send me an email. I'd be happy to send that to you just so you can see a kind of a real-life version of what I created. I created this like two years ago, long before I ever created this podcast or even thought about doing this podcast. So it's a very raw, very real, perhaps a, a, an example for you to at least refer to. If you are intrigued by this concept of blowing up conventional wisdom and not waiting until you retire to experience the things that you want to experience. So fellow Fabricator, I want to ask you some questions. My goal here, my motivation here, my agenda is uh, is really the same that it always is on the Fab Lab podcast. It is to do whatever I can do to share whatever it is I have learned or whatever I am learning with you so you can take that back to your business and in this case back to your business and your life and hopefully get some value out of it. Hopefully it, there's an impact there. Hopefully it um, it has a positive effect on you. So here's some questions. And when we ask these questions, a lot of times, because we're running and gunning so hard, it's just, it's hard to have time to stop and think there's just so much going on in the business and probably a lot going on outside of it. But here's some questions to stop and ask yourself. These questions, the way you answer these questions actually have the potential to radically change the kind of decisions that you make or how you make decisions within the business. And again, this all gets back to this conventional wisdom. Can we blow up the equation? Can we build businesses that enable us to experience a taste of what retirement is supposed to be like? Meaning we just have time and the resources to do the things we might put off for 25 or 30 years. Can we create the time By making different decisions in our business today, can we create that time today so we can experience that now as opposed to maybe 15, 20, 25, 30 years from now? So here's question number one How do you define rich? Now, if you're like me, I have a picture in my mind. I don't know why a big house and like an exotic car. And I don't really actually want either of those. And yet those are the first two things that pop into my mind when I hear the word rich. When I think of rich people, they got huge exotic houses and very nice exotic cars. But is that my definition? So how do I define rich in terms of income? Now, you could be money rich and still be time poor, so you want to also be able to define rich in terms of time and maybe free time, maybe not like idle time, just time to do nothing, but time to do other things other than work like a dog in the business. So how do you define time? I'm sorry, how do you define rich in terms of income and time? When I stopped and thought about it, it was very interesting. My desire, I wanted time as much if not more than I wanted income. Now, I need both because with that time, there are things I want to do and those things (laughs) typically require some money. So it is both. But it's interesting when you stop and think about it, when you really slow down, stop and ask this question, what's really important, and I've done exercises like this with many of my coaching clients, and the impact is very commonly, it's very often the same. People want time. People, when given the permission to stop long enough to ask this question, oftentimes realize, wow, I'd like more time to do this. I'd like more time to do that. Wow, well, I'd like more time. Oh my gosh. You realize how many things you want to do that are, and time's just going by. It is the days, the weeks, the months, the years are, you know, they go by faster every year. So, how do you define rich? That's question number one. Question number two. Whose definition of success are you working off of? It's a similar, it's a related question to the one I just asked, but it's, it's a little different. Because in business, there is a conventional wisdom, there is a kind of an, a, a mindset around what success is. So I want to ask you this question, whose definition of success are you working off of? For some people, success is doing more square feet out of their shop. I've used this analogy. It's like being in high school and the bench press. Well, how much can you bench press? I don't remember what I could bench press in high school. It wasn't very much. (laughs) I didn't have much to brag about. But that was sort of this universal way that that guys uh, compared themselves to each other. And I find that to be shockingly common in our industry as it relates to square footage. Well, how much square footage do you do? Oh, well. I guess I better do more square footage. I guess we're not doing enough square footage. That guy's really successful. And that's how many square, you know, I I mean, it's free country. That is your definition of success by all means. Um, I guess the more square footage you do, the more successful you are. (laughs) Unless you have a different definition of what success is. So is it your definition or is it somebody else's? That's a sobering question. Question number three. How would you define success for yourself, for yourself and your spouse, and for yourself and your family? What, and, and again, it's a blank canvas. There's no rules to this. The reality is, if you look back at T. Harv Ecker's wealth principle number one, we get to create our lives. And in a sense, I, I see that as not a very far stretch to say we get to define success for ourselves. I don't have, I, I don't have to adopt somebody else's definition. My experience doesn't have to look like somebody else's. And likewise, yours doesn't have to look like mine. We get the latitude and the freedom to define that for ourselves. But if we don't stop and actually ask that question, and that's that's where it begins, but then actually answer it, that's the the bigger challenge is how do we answer that question? How would I define success for myself, for my spouse, for my family? (sighs) Follow up question to that is How would you measure it? More time is a great start, but more time, more than likely, if that's the definition, that's, you can't measure that. It's impossible to measure. So, as I talk about in the process, if you're going to have standards, they've got to be measurable. <laughs> You've got to be able to, someone's got to decide what that definition is, and, and it has to be able to be measured. How would you measure your success or your definition of success? And the last question, this is where it gets kind of fun, but it can also be kind of scary. I've challenged a lot of clients to this question, and I don't, I'm not going to share the full uh, way that I ask this question and that I make this challenge to my clients, but I, this is powerful. And this, this, this can mess with us. This messes with a lot of people. What are the things that you long to do What are the things that you want to do? Now, you may have never stopped long enough to actually think. That could be one thing. You're just too busy to stop and think about this. I guarantee you there are things you long to do. I guarantee you there are things you want to do. It's possible you're so busy you just don't have time to stop and consider it or to remember that you want to do these things. What are the things you long to do and want to do, but just never seem to have time to do? If you'll stop and answer that question, it may take 15, 20 minutes. Now, number one, you, it, there's two parts to this. Number one, you've got to have time. You've got to stop long enough. You've got to sh- turn off the noise, you know, tune out the, the chaos long enough to ponder this question. What are the things that you want to do right now? If given time and resources, if those weren't a factor, if you had all the time you wanted and all the money you needed, what would you do? What do you want to do right now? So number one, you got to stop and have time. you got to tune everything out, make time to ask yourself that question. But here's something else. You've got to give yourself permission to ask that question. When I said this this conversation can mess with you, it can challenge things, it can be a little scary, it could even be a little bit dangerous... I'll tell you right now, if you take me up on this challenge and stop long enough to ask, you may feel a high level of discomfort. You've got to give yourself permission to do this exercise. You've got to give yourself permission. You have to understand, fellow fabricator, stone shop owner, ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand this. This is what I believe. You are worthy of those desires. And perhaps the first step in moving towards those is giving yourself permission (laughs) to accept that. And not just accept it, but to say it. And if you really want to get crazy, to actually write it down. So that's my question. That's my challenge to you. Stop, tune out the noise, ask this question. What are the things I long to do and want to do, but just never seem to have time to do? And then give yourself permission to write those things down. So fellow fabricator, stone shop owner, what does your business have to look like? Can you imagine building a business in such a way that it enables you to experience what you may have thought you have to wait until retirement to experience? Can you build a business that allows you to experience today what conventional wisdom is telling us we have to wait until retirement to experience? That's deep stuff. And I think I even had the composure to slow down my rate of speech in this podcast because I think this is so important. I used to tell my employees this. Time is something you cannot get back. Once it's gone, it is gone. You can can never go back and, and get it back. And so every minute, every hour, every day that passes and you haven't Pursued or experienced the things that are deeply meaningful to you, you can't get that time back. And so, this is deep stuff. I hope that you will think on this. And, you know, I hope you'll reach out via email, take me up. I'll send you my definition of rich, I'll send you my wealth principle matrix that I created off of T. Harv Ecker's book, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind fellow fabricator, I want to mention one more thing, a great opportunity. You know that Ed Young, fabricators coach, guest hosted for me a few times here a couple of months ago. Well, he's got a seminar coming up, a fantastic workshop. It's called the fabricators business academy. If you go to the show notes below, you can get a link to that. It is a 10 week training that he and some other fantastic professionals are putting on. This is fantastic time. If you would like to invest in some very in-depth, very focused coaching and training, uh, time is running out. There's limited spots left. This actually begins on September 13th, 2022, so next week. So here are a few things that you can learn on this seminar. What type of jobs and which markets are the most profitable? How to stop competing on price alone how to craft and deliver a marketing identity and message that will set you apart from the competition. You will learn how to create a proven marketing engine that works 24 seven in any economy. This will allow you to stop chasing prospects who never buy. You also learn how to win more sales without putting more pressure on the customer and to approach, learn to approach sales in a way that actually saves you time, money and frustration. So There's limited time, fellow fabricators. This is a limited, uh, they only have a certain number of spots and they're going fast. And so go to the show notes if that's intriguing to you and get registered today for Ed Young's Fabrication Business Academy. Fellow fabricator, I'm so glad you tuned into this episode. I I really do value the opportunity and the relationship that we have (laughs) over the airwaves, if you will. And uh, I, I just I hope that you will take this topic today. I hope you will pause long enough to consider it because uh, time is short. It's something we can't get back, and you're worthy of experiencing those things that are deeply meaningful you, to you. And you can build a business. You can start building a business. you can start making decisions in your business today that can actually begin to allow you to experience those things in the very near future. So fellow fabricators, thanks for tuning in. I hope you'll tune in next week for the next episode of the Fab Lab podcast. Until then, happy fabricating.